Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Book Goodies podcast by uh, by authors for authors for this particular series. I'm Deborah Carney, your host, and I'm joined today by Katie Darden and Sean Inman. Hi, guys. How are you? Good. I'm Glad to be great. here. Um, what I, what we're going to talk about today is, um, producing an audiobook. uh, why you would want to and how to go about doing it. Um, I find audiobooks to be, uh, a, a real neat way to be able to, uh, quote unquote, read a book. I like listening to books. I think I've listened to almost all the Tom Clancy book series, um, and the Harry Potter books, um, all in audiobook, and that was back in the day before audio was as good as it is now. Um, so, Katie, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us uh, why you decided to uh, record your books in audio form? Sure. Um, I'm Katie Darden. I live on the far northern coast of California. In fact, I'm looking out my window right now at the ocean, and it's gorgeous. <laughs> so I'm blessed with that. And as an author who works from home, it's wonderful to have that kind of view as an inspiration. I've been a uh, administrative type person uh, for years and years and years and years, and I, I was in human resources. So it was a natural step for me to become a coach, a career coach and a business coach. While I was doing that, I did a, a wide variety of things that included a number of ebooks. And since I am now um, out of the workforce, I'm not in corporate America anymore, I decided to take those books and start repurposing the information to make it accessible to a current, uh, the current um, paradigm, which mostly is Kindle books, where way back in the day, um, it was you sold them on your own or you went through ClickBank. But Kindle is such a wonderful platform that I started transferring and, and translating that information, updating it and making it accessible there. So I had a certain amount of success with that. And as I was talking with some of my author friends, they started, they were telling me that they had begun to uh, work with ACX to uh, create audiobooks. And I, one of my jobs uh, required me to do a lot of travel. And I remember one time traveling from where I live now to Sacramento, which is the middle of the state of California. And it's about a six-hour drive from where I am. So I noticed that my boss had a um, Patricia Cornwall, I think it was, um, books on tape. And so I grabbed that for my trip because I was on my own. So as I drove down to Sacramento, I listened and took care of my business and, and all the rest of that. And then I listened on the way back up. And literally, I pulled into my driveway, and I had 10 minutes left of the audiobook, and I sat in my car <laughs> and listened to the end of it. Been there, done that. There was no way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, I was going to come in the house, see my husband, get into stuff, and go, oh, I didn't finish that book. So um, that gave me some some idea of how valuable they can be. And I love to listen to not just books on tape, but audio programs and self-help stuff, um, I, when I used to commute to work 30, uh, for, sorry, 45 miles each way, um, I would listen when my husband wasn't in the car, um, you know, after I would drop him off or on the days when I went in by myself. So I know the value of being able to hear the information auditorily as well as being able to read it. And if you're a busy person or you're someone who does a lot of commuting, then having that time not be downtime to me was extremely beneficial. So both from a point of view of entertainment 
and a point of view of learning, I thought, you know, this would be a great way to get some of my books, my nonfiction and my fiction, um, to make it available to people who were in similar situations to me. That's awesome. Sean? Sean? Sorry, here I am. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> He, he was listening to an audiobook. <laughs> I'm Sean Inman, and I'm kind of a latecomer to the writing game. I didn't start writing until I was about 50 years old, uh, but I have made a lot of cross-country trips in my life. Uh, I used to drive from Seattle, Washington, to around Little Rock, Arkansas, two or three times a year, uh, which is about a 2,400-mile round trip, and I became really good friends with audiobooks at that point in time. And so I, I just always knew if I ever got around to actually writing and publishing my own books that I would automatically just want to do that. I, I know there are certain people... I actually have friends who haven't written, haven't read a book since high school, uh, but they will listen to audiobooks on their daily commute or on a long cross-country trip or something. So I just wanted to make my book available in as many ways as I could. I wanted it to be an e-book. I wanted it to be paperback because I wanted to be able to hold something in my hand. But I, I really looked forward to the process of turning my books into audiobooks. And uh, like Katie, I investigated with AC and found that that was the best way to go for me. Okay. Um, Sean, can you explain what ACX is for those who may not know? Sure. They're, uh, they're an audio book recording company. Um, I think just the web address is acx.com. Uh, and they're kind of like the uh, the Amazon, I guess, for audiobooks. They're uh, they're linked directly into Audible, and uh, their products are available on on Amazon. Uh, and they're like a clearinghouse as well, where they will put uh, writers and narrators together, hook them together, uh, and act as a as the middleman in an audition process. Um, and as a writer, you have some choices you have to make almost immediately, as in, do you want to pay a narrator directly out of your pocket, or do you want to offer to work with them uh, on a 50-50 split? And ACX kind of uh, gets in the middle of that and, and helps with that process. So they're with you all the way from the very beginning of just going in and, and uploading a script to the narration pro- or to the uh, audition process for the narrators uh, to the production process then they have very strict quality control that they're involved in and then they're in the distribution process with you with with Amazon and audible.com so they're really a a, a a soup to nuts kind of a company that's really cool so Katie um, tell us uh, are you recording your own or are you going with narrator well, I'm actually going with the narrator. Um, and of course, having said that, I, I did want to also say that I have recorded my own. Um, one of the things I used to do was hypnosis. And in one of my nonfiction books, I have some NLP hypnosis type scripts that people can either read and try to process on their own. They can record it themselves. Or um, what I decided to do was to record the, the, uh, the script as an audio and I did that through CreateSpace. So it is available on Amazon, and I have let people who have copies of the book, it, there's a link in there so that if, if they don't want to do it on their own, they can go get uh, the, the, uh, the three scripts um, to listen to as often as they need. So while I'm not doing it with ACS, 
I have done it um, in a, a slightly different way through CreateSpace. The, the process has been a whole lot different in terms of the recording has to be a certain quality, it has to meet their needs uh, or their specifications. Um, but other than that, uh, the process with ACX is it's a little bit more complex because you also have to uh, get it uploaded in a particular way, you know, just like everything has its own specifications in terms of how you get the information there. So there is an alternative for people who would want to just like upload a recording to create spaces through their music interface instead of through their book interface. Yes, that's true. And what I did is I, as I uploaded it as a CD, um, my reasoning for that is because while uh, Amazon offers the opportunity for people to have either a physical product, a physical CD product, or to have MP3 as a download purchasable, um, what ended up happening with my was that with, I have an, a short introduction, I have a script of about, oh, about eight minutes, then I have a script of about 25 minutes, and then I have a script of about another 10 minutes, and then I had... Um, a small track at the end, well, each of those was 99 cents, and it didn't make any sense at all because, you know, if, if I were a consumer, I'd go buy those three middle ones, you know, for free bucks, right. as opposed to um, the information that tells them what they need to do and well, how to do it and how to use it again and all of the rest of that, the information that's more introduction, um, as well as the information at the end. So, so I ended up pulling the MP3s out. But if I was a musician and I had a series of songs, I might want to keep them in because 10 songs, you know, at 99 cents, now you're talking around $10 that people buy them individually or the cost of whatever the CD is. And for me, it was prohibitive because um, I think my CD cost me $9 or $9.99 or something. So I only make a dollar or two on, mm-hmm. the, you know, on the CD. But if I'd left it in as an MP3, I'd have made no money. So, okay, and it would not. It would have been a disservice to the person who was was purchasing them too. Right, that makes total sense. I'm glad uh, you brought that up. So, Sean, you used to work in radio, and yes. you're still using a narrator. I am. I and the odd thing is, my first book where I hired a narrator is my life story, and I, you know, it's a memoir. Uh, so, my first instinct was to maybe do it myself, uh, but. My reality is I've listened to hundreds and hundreds of audiobooks, and as a general rule, when an author reads their own books, I think, geez, I wish they'd gotten the best narrator they could instead of that. Uh, and, and, you know, one of my favorite writers is, is Stephen King, and occasionally he'll narrate his own books, and I think maybe that's not the best choice. He's my favorite writer, but I don't know if he's my favorite narrator. Uh, and I didn't want to fall into that same category. So I just, <laughs> I just, I didn't want people to listen to me and go, I really wish he'd hired a narrator. So, uh, so I elected to, to hire. And in my case, I was very fortunate because I had a background in radio. I have a lot of friends who are also announcers. And for my first book, uh, I had a friend who had almost an identical background to me. We attended the same broadcasting school. Uh, we had followed a very similar career arc, except uh, I went into writing eventually, and he went into narrating books. But many of the things that I wrote about in that memoir, like I, I wrote about uh, going to a, a Commodore's concert in 
1978, and as he was narrating it, he sent me a note that said, oh my gosh, I was at that concert too. <laughs> and we kept finding those kind of things. So it was an easy choice. And then the second book had a female protagonist. That was my wife's story. And so uh, that was easy uh, to make a decision for me. Not I didn't want to have to attempt to, to read her story throughout. So uh, I, I, I just, for me, it's, although my newest book, honestly, I am thinking about narrating it myself just because it's uh, a story that is so close to my heart uh, fiction-wise that I, I just, I, I don't know if I'm going to have the ability to turn it over to somebody else. Well, and that's that's a good point. Um, and so ACX lets you hook up people that you know into the system? You don't have to... You can. Um, in this case, I just put my book out there for auditions, and I told a few of my friends, hey, I've got this book out there. If you'd like to audition for it, go through the process, and I will, uh, I'll give you most favored nation status on your, on your audition, and, uh, and that's the way that it worked out. Okay, cool. So now let's explain how this, um, how this kind of works. Um, how do you... Now, how do you start the process? How do, how do you get started? Katie, why don't you start with us? Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> I am uh, fairly new to this, uh, but I do have several projects in process right now. Um, the, the first thing I did is I went to actually talk with a girlfriend, and she showed me on Skype how she did it. So that helped a lot. But I also went to the the website itself and it, it shows you it tells you a little bit about who what ACX is it, it talks about how it works it um, identifies the places to go if you're an author who wants to get the title out there it talks about uh, where to go if you are a narrator and you want to offer your talent and it also has a specific area for authors who want to narrate themselves. And some authors, as Sean was saying, some authors are really good and some authors are maybe not quite as good. One of the things I notice when I'm writing, especially if I'm writing fiction, is I know in my own head how I want that thing to look and to play out. And because of that, it's actually a detriment for me because I'll leave out things. Because right. somebody else right. who who doesn't know the story, you know, and that's why I always have I always run it by other people. They'll look at it and they'll go, "Well, this doesn't match up. I don't understand." So, me as a narrator, I might do the same kind of thing, assuming that the other person has the same understanding or knowledge as I do. So, um, there's you know pros and cons to both sides. But they have a whole section in in um, in ACX that talks about depending upon where you're coming from. It has authors, authors as narrators, narrators, publishers. So if you represent a number of people or if you were a group working together, um, there's an area for agents and there's an area for studi studio pros. So depending upon the equipment you have, depending upon what your interest is in the process, um, there is a, there's information for every single one of you. But the main thing that is, first of all, you go on to ACX and you – you um, identify your book, you claim your book or your, your works. And uh, so in other words, it's got to be up somewhere, uh, preferably on Amazon. I think that's probably the only place they'll pull from. But once you claim it, um, then you can enter into the process of actually going, uh, setting up an audition. And, and you as the author are 
it's important to know that you, you don't want to have too much for the person to audition, but you want to have enough of the material so you get a really good sense of who they are and how they speak. And so, for instance, um, you know, if you have, if your book is like, I don't know, if your book is really, really, really long, you might want a little bit longer uh, audition, but I would say two to three pages should be enough for you to be able to tell if the person speaks the way you want, if they're getting the message across the way that, that you think that it should be gotten across, if they match up with your personality, your style, the language, all of that. So that's the, that's what, that's where you start. You start by first claiming your book and then identifying a section of it that you want. And then there's all these other steps to go through where you identify the specifics regarding payment and that kind of thing. Okay. So basically you just go to the site and it, it walks you through it. It does. And you can, I'm for mine, I think I uploaded my entire first chapter as the audition, which I write pretty short chapters. So that wasn't so bad. It was about 2,500 words or so. And after 2,500 words, like Katie says, you start to get a feel it, it, it's just like, and you can tell them even in advance kind of what kind of a read you're going for. Do you want a younger voice or an older voice? And uh, in my case, on my second book, I wanted a, a, a younger voice, but I actually picked a narrator who was not so young, but she had a wonderful, young, supple voice. And she was an actress, and uh, she was able to to do exactly what I was looking for. Um, and, and like Katie says, part of the problem is if I read, then I'm only giving you my interpretation. Mm-hmm. As a writer, my joy is hearing what a narrator does with the words that I've written because they will choose different emphasis points. They will choose different ways of highlighting different things. And it becomes a, a, it becomes a living, breathing thing on its own, something that uh, takes on a life outside of, of what I've given to it. To me, that's one of the most exciting parts of, uh, of the narration process is watching what somebody else's brain does with it. That's yeah, another sure. really good point. I like that. Um, well, Sean, when you were talking earlier about having somebody else read your story, I was thinking about the process I've gone through, and, and I started with the nonfiction, but I, I liked this narrator so much, I invited her to do my fiction series of four books, which she's agreed to. I actually had her do a short uh, audition for that, and, and I think it'll work out wonderfully. But what I also look for, and, and I think part of it, because after, I've, been a, I've been a stand-up trainer for 20 years, so... I know kind of how I want my delivery to go, especially in the nonfiction. And as I listen to the narrators, I'm listening for that. I'm listening for how easy is it to understand? Are they getting my point across? So I'm going to obviously tend to choose someone who's more similar to me as opposed to different from me. I like, I'm with you. I like the surprises and um, the richness that, that another person's interpretation brings. And yet I'm also always looking for are they hitting on the point? Um, do they yes. pause in a strange place? Is it yes. uh, how how smooth and how in the flow is it? And I have to say, I, I was extremely lucky that the very first person uh, for the very first project I put up, and that's what they call them. They call them projects. For the very, very first person, she was delightful, absolutely delightful. And I'm thinking, oh, is she my twin? You know, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> nice. It was really great. 
So before we get into more about the audition process, because you've both touched upon that a little bit, before we get into that, do you have to decide before you start the audition process um, whether you're going to do a 50-50 split or pay outright? And those are the only two options, correct? Yeah, and and I, I believe you do you do need to announce that before you go in because the reality is if you're doing a 50-50 split, the narrator is never real sure of what the, how they're going to be compensated. You, they might be narrating uh, an, a best-selling book or they might be narrating something that doesn't get downloaded very often. And so because of that, the 50-50 split tends to attract uh, uh, narrators who are more on the just trying to establish their, their chops kind of, of, narr- of auditions as opposed to if you're willing to negotiate by the hour – that's where you get some of the more seasoned professionals as a general rule, or at least that's what I have found. What did you find, Katie? Well, I'm, I pay up front, and I decided to do that because then it's mine. You know, I don't have to worry about the rest of it. Not that I think anything's going to be a runaway hit necessarily, but then I have a little more control over it um, for yeah. me. And so that was, that was my choice. And I, I spoke with a couple of people I know, and one woman I know has been extremely successful. She um, she has a series of books for six to ten year old girls mostly, and oh my gosh, um, they're one. I mean, boys too, but but the the main protagonist is a female, uh, a young female detective, and she's sold just an amazing number of of um, audio books in a fairly short time. She's sold over a thousand now, and she's doing quite well. And um, and she said to me that. She wants that extra little bit, you know, so she's willing to pay the narrator up front so that she so that she gets all of the royalty. And, of course, I know we'll talk about that in a minute, um, Deborah. but the thing is that you make that decision in the beginning. In fact, as soon as you start a project and claim your book, it says, I'm looking for someone to narrate and produce my audio book. I have the book in audio and I want to sell it or I will narrate my book and upload the audio later. So you have to make that decision. Uh, about who's going to do the narration first. And then once you do that, that's when you start filling in the other pieces. Um, you, you look at the agreement and um, <clears throat> go through that whole, pro- that whole part. And once you agree to it, then you, that's when you move to the section where you start talking about your book itself and looking at um, the pieces of it, the, how you choose the payment plan and, and all the rest of that. So I, I don't know if you can change the payment plan later. I don't know that. But one thing I, I do know is that I goofed once and did not put in what my pay range was because you can identify what it is. And some of the narrators will say that they will negotiate and or do a set rate. Others say they just simply want to have the share. Um, and others will identify, you know, exactly what their range, uh, the range is uh, of their hourly um, output. Okay. This based on the final out, the final final output, and there's a way to calculate that. But I goofed one time and I didn't, and it was interesting because I was trying an experiment and I was going for the low end, and I got four people who all all wanted between 100 and 400 dollars an hour to uh, finished hour um, to do the narration, and I was able to negotiate with one of them and negotiate her price down to about half of what she uh, had wanted. So. That can cha- that part of it can change, and I'm suspecting that you may also be able to, like, repost or or close the audition or do something if you decide you're not getting the quality that you want. 
Okay. And one of the other things that's important in the 50-50 share and the paying outright is the rights. Um, Katie, I think that you had mentioned that um, if you do the 50-50 split, your book is only available on Amazon and Audible. Is that correct? Yes, it's called um, The Royalty Share. And the reason for that, um, the reason they give, and I was looking for it while I was, um, while we were talking, but, but there's two things. One is they want to guarantee that the, um, the uh, narrator gets the most money possible. And if you don't do, and there's two, two parts to it. One is the, the royalty share or you pay the person up front. And if you do royalty share, then you must be exclusive to ACX, which is Amazon and Audible. And that's a higher royalty share than if you choose to be non-exclusive. If you're non-exclusive, you can shop it around. You can post it anywhere on your site or, or whatever. But the, the royalty rate is much lower. And so as a result, the person who's doing the narration on a royalty share would get a, would get a much lower part of the royalty if it was non-exclusive. Um, okay. That's why. That's why they they're requiring you to stay at that level. Yeah. So that wouldn't be very attractive. Now, Sean, you had an interesting thing when we were talking pre-show. Um, you you um, you did the fifty fifty split on your first book, and yes. then on your second book, um, Amazon offered to help you with a stipend for your narrator. Yeah, ACX offered a stipend on it, and um, it, it's one of those holy grail things that you don't apply for it it, it, it you they choose you essentially mm-hmm. uh, and i didn't even know i had the stipend on it until i'd had my book out for auditions for oh probably three or four days and i think i'd gotten one audition in over that three or four day period and it was not somebody i was leaning towards so i was just waiting for some other auditions to come in and i opened up one day uh, my acx file and i think there were 14 auditions that had been submitted in the previous 12 hours. And I thought, <laughs> wow. what the heck? <laughs> what happened here? Uh, and in talking to some of the uh, narrators who had submitted auditions, they told me that I'd been chosen for, uh, that ACX had offered them a stipend. And the stipend, in my case, and I don't know how much it varies, uh, mine was a fairly short book, uh, 72,000 words, turned out to be about uh, just a little over seven hours worth of finished time. And the stipend that ACX uh, allotted for my book was $1,500. And that didn't come out of my pocket. That came directly from ACX. And so any narrator that I elected to work with then, because I'd already offered it on a 50-50 split, Mm -hmm. they would get 50-50, a split with me on all proceeds going forward. But as long as they met certain terms and conditions, and and mostly it was time frame, it was a very tight time frame for completing the work, as long as they met that time frame, they would also get this $1,500 uh, stipend from ACX. Wow. So, As yeah, a narrator, I mean, a, that's really cool. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. It's good for authors It's and it's good for narrators. And I, I, I've been trying, I, I'm always looking for little life hacks, little solutions. And uh, the, the difference that I can figure is on my first book where I, I didn't, I was on a 50-50 split and I did not get the stipend. The difference between that book and my second book was I submitted my first book almost immediately after publication to ACX. So I didn't have, and that was my very first book. So I didn't have much of a track record yet at that point in time. Um, I think my book was ranked at that point somewhere around 
around 75,000 in the Amazon store and uh you know not a terrible ranking but not the look of a bestseller either exactly and with the second book I waited a few months ran a a good promo I if I remember right I think it was right after I ran a bookbub promo uh and then I submitted it to uh to ACX looking for narrators and I think at the time I submitted that one I think that book was somewhere around number 350 in the overall Amazon store and yeah that'll get their attention yeah guess what all of a sudden I got a stipend put on it so the little mental checklist note that I made for myself was in the future don't submit your book until you've got about as good a ranking on it as you think you're going to get wait until you're running a some kind of a big ad or or promo or a sale some sort and then at that time when you're peaking that's a great time to submit because you're likely to really attract the attention of ACX and and perhaps qualify for a stipend and and just having been down both roads I'll tell you it's a much more pleasant process when you've got that stipend on your side and you found your narrator for your second book from that pool yeah, by the time I was done, by the time I said, okay, that's enough, stop, I think I had, I had over 20 uh, auditions for that one. And it was, it was brutally difficult because they were, there were some of them that were so good. I, 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 I talked to two of them and said, I'm so sorry that I can't choose you because you're wonderful and you're, you're perfect, uh, but I, I'm going to keep you in mind for my next, uh, my next go-round. Um, it, it really felt like an embarrassment of riches to have these wonderful actors and, and, and in this case, actresses who were willing to, to carry out my book for me. It was a beautiful thing. That's awesome, and that's really good information for people to keep track of to, you know, to, to think about when they're getting ready to do to put their project up. Um, now, let's talk a little bit more. You've talked, you both talked a bit about what to watch for in the audition process. Um, why don't we talk a little bit more about what happens when that audition process starts? You you put up a chapter or a portion of your book, and then people just read it and submit it, submit their reading. Yes, that's exactly it. I, when you when you open up, there's like all these little audio files just waiting for you, and, and it's it's a fun part of the process, at least as a writer, uh, to hear all these different possibilities and takes, and uh, you can give them a little bit of uh, information as to what you're looking for. If it doesn't matter if it's male or female, you can say that. But if you definitely need one or the other to read, you can say that. But in my case, I also said, you know, I'm looking for someone who can start the character. Is a is about a fifteen year old girl at the beginning and is a fifty year old woman at the end. So I need somebody that can uh, vocally transition through that. I need the ability to have innocence and uh, a very kind of wide eyed approach to the material in the beginning and be a little more worldly by the end of the book. Uh, and then you hear how they how they interpret that. Uh, you can even tell them. I tried to give them examples of of what I was looking for. Like with my first book, I told them if you ever listen to the narration that Richard Dreyfus did at uh, in as the narrator in Stand by Me, mm-hmm. uh, or the narration that was done on the Wonder Years, the older person looking back at that younger life, that's exactly what I'm looking for. And then you just look for somebody that kind of matches up with that. Katie. Yeah, that's, I did the same thing with one of my books that has some script in it, like I, I had mentioned earlier, some NLP hypnosis scripts. And I, as part of the audition, I, I gave them information 
So I gave them, you know, a couple of pages, and then I gave them a very shortened script, and I told them I wanted them to uh, narrate it as though they were they were actually working with a client. Um, and so if they had the if they had any experience as a hypnotherapist or as someone who had done guided visualizations or any of that kind of thing, that's what I was looking for in that section. And the person was perfect, as I said. And when I talked with her, she told me that in one of her prior jobs, she used to have to work with people who were going under a lot of stress. And so she would use stress reduction script with them. And, uh, and this was just the same kind of thing for her. So I, I thought she was um, quite good at that part of it. The other thing that I wanted to mention too, as Sean has said, you can you can identify not only the gender, but you can identify the age. You can say that you want somebody who's eager, or someone who's professional, or someone who's whose um, speech patterns are um, more colloquial. I'm not I'm not sure what the term is they use on there, but there's lots of different different ways you can have the or ask for the person to present. The material they could have an accent or not or no accent. You can specify gender. You can specify uh, general age uh, and other kinds of characteristics, little quirks and that kind of thing. And that will help your you whatever your manuscript is. It'll help it come alive in the way that you'd like it presented. So uh, any additional information you can provide in there will be good for the person who's doing the audition. Uh, one of my series is uh, going to be ten books. I've got two of them finished and. And the others are in various stages. And so I, I specified I would prefer to have the same person do all 10 books. Now, just as with the, the stipend that Sean was talking about earlier, you know, if somebody knows they're going to do 10 books, I mean, that's kind of nice. You know you're going to keep doing this stuff. And it's like a long-term agreement. And certainly you can um, set that kind of thing up with your narrators once you get started talking with them. That's pretty cool. Now, um, Sean, you mentioned briefly that you can invite narrators to audition. How do you do that? Uh, well, the way that I did it was I just happened to, to know them, and I asked them. It was nothing official. I just asked them uh, if they were already part of ACX, and they said they were. And I said, hey, I just threw my book up on there, so uh, go in through through your mechanism and look for it. And, and that's what they did. So that was just a matter of, of having a background in radio and having a lot of former radio friends. You know, all of us in our industries, we tend to hang out with like people. We all hang out with writers now. And <laughs> I used to hang out with a bunch of, of uh, creative radio types. So I, I, I still ha I'm happy and lucky to have a bunch of them on my Facebook page so I can tell them, hey, go check this out and see if it's something you're, you're interested in. So there isn't really a, a search function where you can, like, go through and – and uh, find narrators that you want to invite to narrate your book. If there is, I'm not oh, yes. aware of it. Uh, go ahead, Katie. Yes, yes, there is. You can search Aha. for you can search on ACX for um, different people. You can search by their name. You can search for by a variety of different ways. I uh, have one of the things that I've done because I've, I've ended up like Sean having probably about 18 different narrators, and some of them I really like a lot. That's that's one of the things that's really useful, too. You get eight or ten narrators as you start going through. You can Sometimes you can tell right away they're not the right fit, so you just you can mark them as a dislike, um, or you can mark them as a like, and then you can go back, and, and once you kind of cull through, you can, you can go through those, like, two or three that you selected and listen to them again and make your, you know, make, make up your mind in terms of, how they fit with your 
I want to say vision, but you know, your auditory vision of how you want your book presented. I've also gone directly and looked um, for search specifically for a, a particular kind of, of speak, speaking pattern that you know one of the characteristics that they uh, that they offer. The the other thing I did when I once I selected two or three of the narrators that I liked is is you can click on their name and go to their profile and they've got a sample they've got usually have like four or five samples in there so you can listen to them in different genres you can listen to them in terms of how they sound for nonfiction or fiction and they'll tell you right on their profile in in their samples they'll tell you the kind of voice that they are emulating. So this one is a young, eager person. This is somebody who, you know, where you've got two different characters. Um, and so you can go through and, and listen to how they represent those kinds of stories. And that also helps in your selection process. That's really good information. Um, now, you guys have both mentioned scripts. Now, Sean, you said you uploaded a chapter. Katie, you say you uploaded scripts. Do you actually upload an annotated script, or do you just upload um, material from your book? Well, what I did is I just took three or four pages, and I read through it to make sure that there was enough uh, variety in there that would uh, give me an, an idea of how they would do with the entire book. So. I would have two or three paragraphs or maybe even more. I would, For instance, I would have like the introduction. And on one of the books that I just find that I just hired a narrator today, it's a, it's a tips book. It's a you know, certain number of tips on how to do something. So what I did is I included two or three. I actually included three of the tips so that I could hear the person not only talk about the subject matter, but also go through and say tip number one, da-da-da-da-da, tip number two, da-da-da-da-da so that I could tell it how it was going to sound uh, to the person who was listening on the other side. Okay. So, and so you're not actually giving them like material in a script format. You're just giving them material. Well, when I'm saying script, I'm talking manuscript. Okay. But, but what I'm talking about a script in terms of a hypnosis script, yes, I actually gave them the information. I don't, I think the first time I did it, I it was just in paragraph form, but when I sent the material to the, the narrator that I hired, I actually went through it and I made sure I put in pause, pause. Because there are some of the processes require the person to actually do some journaling. And so I, well, you tell them up front, you know, don't do this if you're driving and all that. Um, but I, I put in there pause for, for 10 seconds here. You know, so okay. I, I do give them a script in, in that sense uh, if it's something that, that makes sense in that respect. And with the, the other one that talks about, um, the other one that had the, the uh, NLP hypnosis script, you know, I put the common disclaimer right at the beginning. If you're operating a, a car, if you're driving a car or operating heavy machinery, skip this track for now. Come back to it later when it's appropriate. Right. And Sean, same thing for you. You you don't have to. I mean, you've got completed books, and you you right. didn't give them a script. You just gave them your book and said, "Here, read it." 
No, because I want we want the book to <laughs> we want the book to match up to uh, to Whisper Sync as well uh, for the Kindle, so that uh, if you're hooked in with Whisper Sync, and if your book is an exact, if your audio book is an exact copy of your printed book, then uh, then listeners have the ability to switch back and forth. They nice. Can, read up to a certain point on their Kindle, and then they can switch over to the audio version. Uh, and so because of that, I want to make sure that, that my book that I upload is exactly like the book that's for sale on Amazon so that my, my buyers have, have the ability to be able to go back and forth between those two. Um, and, and for me, part of the, the really enjoyable part of the process is uh, my narrators that I've worked with have always sent me basically one chapter at a time as they completed it. Uh, so they didn't need to send me uh, the entire seven hours as a, as a big chunk right at the end. But they mm-hmm. would send me little 15 to 20 minutes and I could listen to it. And that way we could make adjustments on the fly or if a certain character just wasn't coming out right or if names were pronounced incorrectly or we could kind of correct them on the go that way, especially on the one where we were working on on the stipend and ACX had put such a, a, a tight deadline. I think they gave us from the time uh, she accepted the assignment, I think they only gave us 30 days to, uh, to get the whole thing recorded. And so because of that, we kind of worked on the fly that way, which was a, that was a good, uh, a good process. I enjoyed that. So, yeah, that's our next, um, our, our next, thing to talk about is well after first let's talk about after you're done with your auditions now you have to make an offer so acx makes that process easy i'm assuming they have some built-in agreements and you just go ahead and yeah and i think katie and i both went different ways because katie's i think it has a little more negotiating involved with it with me doing the 50 50 split i'm like do you think uh, so I, I if i have to do anything i have to convince them of the potential of the book mm-hmm. you know i can say look this this book has been on the top 200 on amazon and it sold 12,000 copies or 15,000 copies and i think it's got potential as a as an audiobook it's it has universal appeal uh, but that I, I have to convince a narrator that it's worth because if if they're doing 7 hours of finished time i'm guessing by the time they're done in the studio they they must have 35 to 40 hours of, mm-hmm. of actual work in on it. Uh, and so I've got to convince them that over the lifetime of this book or the next seven years that they're going to be getting royalties on it, that they're going to get enough to make it worth that 35 to 40 hours of their time. Katie's got a, another situation going on. Right. And the thing about the finished work, you're absolutely right, Sean. I mean, you, you've worked in um, radio before, so you know that nothing is done, usually nothing is done the first time through. And not only do you have the starts and stops and that kind of thing, but you also have the editing later to take out pauses that are too long or to remove the sections where you just got your tongue all tangled up inside your mouth. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have a narrator as opposed to myself, because I've done enough audio and I've done enough video. I know how long that editing takes. And I just don't want to be bothered, personally, um, even though I have in my own mind how I want it to fit the sound. So one of the things when you're actually going through the process of setting up your project is you do enter the number of words that are in your book. And the number of words will, will help you understand about how many hours it's going to be. 
and the way that ACX breaks it down is they say 9,300 words is an hour, and a finished hour, because you're paying for the finished hour. So mm -hmm. while a person may, be, you know, may take them, you know, I don't know, 17 hours uh, to actually record it, like Sean said, there's probably, I would say probably three times as long to do the editing and make sure everything is correct, unless they're extremely good. So if you're checking on a, you know, short basis, like one chapter at a time, you're much much more able to put corrections in than to have to go back and try to figure out now where was that and how did I cut you know all the rest of that stuff. So about 9,300 words is an hour, and that also helps you identify you know how much you're going to pay. And I and I wanted to make it clear that the difference between the the uh, exclusive and non-exclusive distribution exclusive distribution is 40% royalty of whatever the book is selling for. So. And they will base it, the price will be based by ACX, it will be based on the length of the book. So, for instance, if um, the book is selling for $9.99, that means the author gets 40% of it. So the 40% either gets goes directly to, which would be about $4, goes directly to the author if he, he or she has already paid the narrator or it gets split between the two of them. So, in other words, when Sean's doing this 50-50 split, Sean's getting 20% and his narrator's getting 20% of however much the book sells for, the audiobook sells for. If it's non-exclusive, it's going to be 26% royalty, and that means, or 25%, which means that Sean would get 12.5% uh, if, if he split it, and that's why they're trying to protect the talent, the narrators, uh, make sure that they're actually getting, you know, getting paid well for the work that they've done. Good explanation, Katie. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> that was yeah, great. that was that was awesome. Um, and now, okay, so you've made an offer, and your narrator has um, accepted it. You know, everybody's happy. So, oh, Deborah, yes. Can we go back a step first, though? Sure. Because what I just went through, and I did have to negotiate with someone. That was the person who normally charges $200 an hour, and she's going to do mine for $100 an hour, which I think is a, is a great uh, compromise on her part. But in the process, I had, said, I had set it up at $50 an hour, and when I made the offer to her, I said, if it, you know, because she said to me she didn't want to do anything less than $50, period. And I said, you know, if it's more than $50, or, or if it doesn't make a full hour, because at a half an hour book, it's going to be twenty six eighty eight or some such. I said I will pay you directly through you know through PayPal. Well, we ended up I made it a hundred dollars an hour instead, but because I had made the offer first, I had to first she had to first decline the offer because okay. I made the offer directly to her, and so she had to decline it or wait for it to expire, and then I could make the new offer to her. So there is a little bit of time in there once you make an offer to someone. Um, where you, you can't just make a second offer or do, do the counter offers or that kind of thing until that one offer is off the table. Okay. That's important to know. Um, and it's also good to know that you can make, you know, you can make um, agreements with them outside. And for shorter books, obviously, it would make a, uh, make a, a difference to, uh, to be able to pay up front but make it you have to pay them enough to make it worth their while even if it is a short book right and i'm i'm just as glad that i went in and made the change because now it's in there it's part of the contract 
she doesn't have to worry about it. She, I mean, she doesn't know me yet. We're not, right. you know, this is our first relationship together. And you want to make sure that that trust uh, is there and that you keep your word so that they know that if you have a special request later on, um, that you're going to, you know, continue to follow through. So it was just as good for me to go ahead and make that change. Okay, great. Well, and now we're talking about communicating and the negotiation process is part of that initial communicating. So now once you've, once you've made the deal, so what comes next? Sean, you want to take us through that? Well, the first thing they have to do is they have to record a five-minute sample, that, and this is just part of the step-by-step process with ACX. So they record a, a five-minute sample that they send to us that we have to, through ACX, approve. And, and basically, that's just saying uh, we're all on the same page here. We, we're, we like the, the direction that we're heading. And then I think, theoretically, at that point, you could wait until the book was uh, was complete before you ever hear anything again. Uh, for me, I, I have a pretty collaborative personality, and so I I like being part of a team and and the give and the take. And so I enjoy taking it chapter by chapter and, and listening to it instead of getting it in one big lump dropped in my lap at, at the very end. Uh, but theoretically you could once you approve and Katie help me remember is it five minutes or 15 minutes that they send you that 15. first time it's 15 isn't yeah, it that's what I was minutes. thinking yeah and, and so, in 15 minutes you get a pretty good idea of, of do they understand what the book is exactly uh, and you can hear I mean there's all of the standard questions are they doing the accents right are they pronouncing the names right how are they reading dialogue this and one of my pet peeves in audiobooks is do all the off characters sound exactly the same so you know all of the 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 women who are not main characters do they all sound exactly the same or can they give do they have enough voices in their repertoire that they can give everybody little quirks and that's the kind of thing you can also adjust to, to work with and in in my books, the people are real people, so I, I definitely have very real pictures in my head of what they sound like, and those are some of the adjustments that I made with my narrator on a chapter-by-chapter basis when a new character would come in. I'd say, oh, this person might have had a little gruffer voice than that, or they they had more of a sarcastic delivery, or maybe they had some kind of an accent that was more like this, and uh, that was just part of the process going th- going through the book. Well, and it makes sense to me that you would probably want to go chapter by chapter. Katie, have you had a different experience? or? Well, I'm with Sean. Um, whether I'm sending something to an editor to um, go through or whether I'm working with someone in the audio, I would prefer to get it chapter by chapter. Um, the first woman that I'm working with uh, who is, is doing my nonfiction, when she sent me the first 15 minutes, it was good. But it felt almost, um, I don't know, kind of, I think she tried to be professional. It came across as being professional, and I wanted more conversational. Mm-hmm. And so, it, because it almost felt stilted to me, you know. So, so I told her um, that, because it, it was good, but there were just those parts. It's like, you know, like you're sitting and talking to somebody across the table. That's more of the, the feel I wanted to the book. And so I asked her if she could redo part of it, and because I had a family emergency come up that required me to go out of town and not be able to connect with her very much. Um, She wanted me to tell her specifically where, and I said, I just don't have time, so let's not worry about it now. So now that I'm back and I'm in communication with her, I asked her if she would give me a short sample, um, because 
because I'm going with her regardless. I like her and I think it's all going to work out. And I said, would you give me a short sample? And she said, normally she waits till she has the whole thing recorded. Well, you know, I'm really glad she sent me the little sample because now I feel much more confident that she's okay because I hadn't heard it before. But just like Sean said, you know, you want, you want to make sure you're checking in fairly frequently because the last thing I would want is to have a, you know, to have a 70,000 word book and get it at the end and go, oh my gosh, this is like not anything what I thought. Because then you have the situation of you still have to pay the narrator. You don't have to pay them the whole amount, but they still have to get paid for part of because they've done the work. Right. So you and want to check up front. On, on my most recent book, the the narrator did something that I loved, which was, first of all, and writers, of course, we're all writers. We all we all love that feedback. Uh, after she read the entire book, she called me, and, and we spent an hour probably just discussing the book and the themes and uh, the, the general outlook and the different voices and what I was trying to accomplish in the book, and that was wonderful. But then she said, have you got like 30 minutes because I've got some questions for you? And then she said, I need pronunciation on all these places and names and uh, the towns and the, the areas. And because I live in Washington State, we tend to have a lot of Indian names uh, and, so, you know, most people aren't used to to names like squim and hump tulips and uh, <laughs> and, and, and enumclaw where I happen to live right now. Yes, exactly. So uh, we probably spent that first day just before she ever laid a track down. We probably spent ninety minutes to two hours on the phone trying to for her to absorb the feel and the attitude of the book, and then very specific uh, ways to pr- pronounce all, all of the names and places. And uh, and because of that. I, I think in the whole 72,000 words, I think I had to go in and make, I think it was either one or two changes at the end of the book that we had to make because she'd done all that homework in advance. But you actually did go chapter by chapter with her. I did. Yeah. Uh, so if you it, needed to have revisions, you could get them done right there instantly. before she went farther into the book. Instantly, but because we had all the names and everything down, it would. I, I, I think again, she was a she's a wonderful reader, and so I uh, thank ACX again for that stipend. Uh, and because of that, it was more just I think maybe two or three times in the whole thing, I'd say, "Oh no, that that line at the end of the chapter." I want that to be much more pensive, and that's almost a, a throwaway at the end. Think of it as if there's a dot, dot, dot at the end, or I really want to hit that softly, or you know, maybe two or three times I made choices like that. But other than that, she, I just trusted her to be the, the the professional that she was. So that's that's great, um, and it's good that you're able to communicate because I know that some uh, systems. You know, you might not be able to communicate outside of the system that you're working with, but, um, you know, I like that you have the ability to communicate with each other outside of ACX. You know, like you can make a phone call, you can get on Skype, you can, you know, you can talk to each other and not just have to stick with, you know, being within the uh, the confines of of whatever ACX has to offer for you. And if I have one more little helpful tip, that is to exactly do that. That was the first thing we did was make sure we had each other's phone numbers. And I promised her as a writer during this 30 days while we're on this time tight time frame, I'll make myself available to you with pretty short notice. So if you've got a question about something, call me. And I think maybe there was one time in, in that 30 days that she needed that to find a, a direction and, uh, and she used that. But just knowing that we had that was very helpful. That's really great. Um, 
To be clear, too, Deborah, I think that ACX prefers that while you're going through the negotiation process that you do it through ACX. You'll get an email from them that says, from ACX, ACX saying, so-and-so has responded. Uh, when I had to go south for the family emergency, I actually um, sent a, a message to all of the narrators and said, this is on hold temporarily. I'll be back in about a week, and then, and then I'll make my decisions. Um, but if you go through ACX for all of the negotiate, negotiating aspect of it, then it's, it's obvious and it's clear, and everybody knows what's up. Um, oh, yeah, once totally. You get through that, yeah, once you get through that, though, um, for instance, I'm headed, out, I'm headed out of the country for the next six weeks. And so the, the person I did just hire, I said, you know, I said to her that when you're out of the country, data is real expensive unless you're in Wi-Fi. So I just assumed uh, that, you know, we have the telephone numbers and that she emailed me directly. So I don't have to because I can get my email pretty easily. But going on to the Internet is going to be a little bit more of a problem with a, with a smartphone. Right. So um, now that we're in the process where she's already agreed and we've got all the contractual stuff set up, now we're going to communicate through email until the project's finished. Yeah, that's a really good point, that the communication for contracts, and that's just to protect everybody, you know, to make sure that that's all done through ACX so that you don't have someone Absolutely. coming up with, oh, but you promised me this. <laughs> exactly. And you're like, no, no, I didn't. <laughs> so now... Um, this is a lot of information for authors, and I just want to um, we're we're going to do another podcast about audiobooks to continue um, stuff like promoting and and getting it really you know ready. But um, briefly, once you finish the recording, um, what's what happens after that? Well, there's there's quite a delay, and that's that was what caught me off guard. I. I think on on my first one, I anticipated. So what happens is at the very end, they send uh, AC, ACX sends you a, a memo saying uh, the narrator has turned this into us. Please listen to this and uh, tell us if you give your approval. And so even though on both of them I had listened chapter by chapter, I I sat down for the full seven hours and listened to the whole thing all over again, listening for any last minute detail. And then I sent them my approval, and I thought. You know, like with Amazon, when I tell them, go ahead, publish my book, six hours later, it's up and live on Amazon. And I kind of expected within about 24 hours or so uh, that my book would be available. And that's not what happened. How about you, Katie? Well, I don't have a book available yet, so I'm oh, I'm still okay. waiting. <laughs> well, what I'll tell you is there's there's quite a delay there, uh, and it can be a, a couple of weeks from the time, and that you're just caught in this no man's land. And I can completely appreciate that because what I, what they do is they have someone who actually sits and listens to every single audiobook that ACX puts out to make sure that there's no corruption in the files, to make sure that uh, it says what it's supposed to say to just to make sure uh, that it is of the quality that ACX is willing to put their name on. So on the one hand, it's kind of frustrating as an author. It's like you've got this great product that you want to be able to put out there and you're just waiting for it. But on the other hand... Um, it's part of the ACX uh, Quality Assurance Program, and uh, it means something, I think, that that they are willing to spend the time to have a, a real human being listen to every single thing that they put out. Well, and I also think that you mentioned WhisperSync. You know, they probably, when they're doing their, mm-hmm. when they're doing their syncing up, 
you know, they're probably doing something with your Kindle book, too, to make sure that everything is going to sync up yes. the way it's supposed to. There's probably some testing, you know, testing that goes through on that end, too. I'm sure they have a process. But, um, you know, everybody knows that when you go to compile a video, you know, you might as well step away from the comp <laughs> compilation machine for, like, you know, eight hours. So, right. you know, depending on the length of your book, um you know, I'm sure it might take a little bit longer to get up, but it would be nice if they warned you about that ahead of time. So it's really good that you've been through that process and you can let us know that that's something to expect, that it's going to be a couple of weeks uh, yes. before it's done. John, um, I would like to ask a question of you about WhisperSync because I hadn't thought about that before. Oh, boy. It, I, I, I am not an expert, but I'll take a swing <laughs> at whatever you got. No, that's okay because it had not even, not even crossed my mind. Um, I made edits for my audiobook because it sounded weird for certain terminology like read read the next chapter I read the next question you know, right. it didn't, didn't make any sense to me it's like listen to the next question so I made those changes and one of the things my narrator said to me was that normally um, some things don't have to be changed for instance a book is a book whether it's an audiobook or a physical book or a digital book so you right. can still refer to it as book and I I hadn't thought about that because I did change some to say audiobook. But what you're saying about WhisperSync, I'm wondering for the authors out there, how close does it have to be? Does it need to be exact? Yeah, and I've, I've heard two different stories about this, and, and I've talked to a bunch of different uh, authors who have ACX books out there, and the answer I hear more, most often is, yeah, they want it to be 99.99% exact uh, in order to match up with WhisperSync. And then I know a few rebel authors who say, ah, what the heck, I go in and edit and make changes because I didn't like the way it sounded and uh, it seems to be fine. So for me, I am, I'm shooting for that 99.99% of accuracy. Uh, and so because I haven't kind of rebelled against that, I don't know for sure if ACX is willing to accept something else or not. Uh, so I, I'm going for as close to 100% as I can. I wonder if they'll bounce you out of the editing process. Um, I would say do, that's possible. If yeah. you do too much, um, if you deviate if too much. too much variance, I think that's possible. But I, I haven't experienced it, so that's just a guess on my part. I see. Well, I, I did make some changes because, as you said, as I'm reading through, I'm thinking, ooh, you know, I'm hearing in my mind the spoken word. I'm going, you know, too much repetition. Sure. Yeah. Put it up a little bit and also making sure that it makes sense for the person who's listening and not, not reading. And so in doing that, though, my, my intent was to go back in and modify my book and re-upload it. <laughs> so sure, maybe, yeah. I'll, maybe I'll handle it that way. Yeah. 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 Make it uh, kind of reverse engineer it. Yeah. 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 Um, and one of the things I want to uh, comment on, Sean, I've got both your book and your audio book because and we'll get wow. into this more in the in the promotional thing. When I bought the Kindle book, it actually gave me uh, your audio book was already up and it, it made me an offer to buy yes. your audio book for I think it was two bucks instead of the yeah. 10 bucks. Yep. Wow. And nice. um, such a deal. Yeah. So <laughs> since I and you know, from the author's side, it would be interesting to know what did you get paid 
for that? Uh, well, probably not very much. Uh, I think I, I'm, let's see, I probably got uh, uh, 20 cents, 40 cents, something like that. Okay. Um, I'm but, wondering because they dropped the price if you got your full commission on your full price. Boy, that would be nice to think about, wouldn't it? But my understanding is no, that I get I get paid on, on what it sells. But okay. For me, audiobooks are uh, they're an avenue. I, 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 the, one of the reasons I've gone the 50-50 split on them is to this point, I have not looked at them as one of my strong profit centers yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I look at it as wanting to have all, my book available in as many avenues as possible so that as many different people, however they want to get it in paper or Kindle or, or audio, that it's available to them. Um, but... I, I I I guess what I'm saying is I every decision I make about uh, about my audiobooks the the profit part of it is probably to the lower part of it um, and, and more it's to try to hook more readers in but because I'm still a, a relatively new writer um, I've got uh, three full length books out and half a dozen short stories out on Amazon so my backlist isn't huge I'm still in that platform building section maybe once I get my my twelfth or fourteenth book out, uh, then I might uh, turn a little greedier and, and, and try to make more money off of it. Well, um, <laughs> we all want to make more money, but um, yeah. when you hey, get to the... deserve more money. I mean, come on. <laughs> right. There's work. I don't care if you're the author, the narrator, the publisher, there's work behind it. Absolutely. Right. And the other point I wanted to make, Sean, about having both versions is that um, one of the reasons I haven't done very many podcasts and the reason I haven't read your book yet is because I'm um, still in the midst of recovering from a concussion. And what I might try and do is uh, test out the whisper thing because I hadn't really thought about it. Yeah, Yeah, I love that. And, you know, maybe read a couple chapters and then, um, you know, listen to a couple chapters and then see if it all syncs up the way it's supposed to. You know, to. and I have to say, I haven't even tried that. I have the audio version, of course, and the and the print version, and I haven't tried that. So I'd be I'd be interested just in how that experience is for a reader, whether uh, mm-hmm. the voices that you're hearing in your head match up with the voice that's that the narrator oh, is yeah. is providing. I'd be real interested to hear that. All right. Um, okay. And well, if you think I can string two sentences together. <laughs> I think you're well, a pretty. Got, I think you're a pretty good writer. Okay. <laughs> and I think your last point is really interesting because I'm listening to a, a Janet Ivanovich um, books on audio right now, and I do not like the narrator at all. Oh <laughs> I boy, mean, yeah. uh, it's confusing to me, and she does some interesting things, like if because it's written in first person, if the the uh, the person who's narrating, you know that. The author narrator, um, well, Stephanie Plum is who it is, but if Stephanie is speaking or thinking, you can't tell the difference. And so it, it is interesting. So oh, I, I'm yeah, with you on that. Point. How does the other person perceive it and how does it fit for them? Yeah. And plus, I, I don't think the characters are the way I imagined the characters. So it's an sure. interesting process. And okay. I will say, I probably give up on audiobooks more quickly than I do on a regular book uh, primarily because I often just don't like the narrator and if I don't like the narrator I think I am not willing to listen to this person for the next 12 hours and so I'll give up (laughs) on something about 20 minutes into it whereas with a book I'll force myself to read at least 100 pages or so. 
that's a really, really, really good point because all things, um, all things great and small. I've read, oh, you know, all the, I've read all those books and I've audio listened to the audio on all those books and the narrator, you can hear him when you're reading the books now. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because the narrator sounds ah. exactly the way you think James Harriet sounds. Exactly. That's, that Scottish burr, yeah. Yep, and it's it's perfect. So, yeah, that is really important when you're choosing a narrator to make sure it's a voice that you want identified with your book. Exactly. Yeah. It's what you want people to hear. All right, well, this has been great, and... Um, we know we have a lot more that we could talk about, but I think that um, I think that our our listeners are probably going to be like, okay, I've had enough for right now, <laughs> and um, I think we can uh, definitely, Katie, when you get back from your trip, or if you have good internet while you're down there, um, you know, we can do a, a follow up with. Um, well, actually. We might not I'll need have- you. We might not need you, Katie. Because <laughs> <No. laughs> okay. your, your book isn't finished yet. <laughs> yeah, but uh, one of them will be by then. <laughs> okay. But the other thing is I will have Skype and, and there is there will be internet access and, and Wi-Fi, so I'm not concerned. Okay. So uh, what I'd like to do is we'll schedule another podcast where we talk about, you know, what to do once the recording is done and also how to promote that darn book. And um, I think that, you know, we, we, between us, we've all got some pretty good ideas on, on all of that. So um, Katie, do you have any last thoughts you'd like to leave with folks and um, tell them where that they can uh, find you on the internet? Well, the, the main thing I'd like to say is don't be afraid to try it. I mean, it doesn't hurt at all. I mean, you can put it, you can put your stuff out there, see what kind of response you get, listen to the narration that you get, and you might be surprised. I mean, you might find exactly the right person, or you might decide, you know, to close down the project. You're not committed to anything until you make an offer and the other person accepts it. So don't be afraid to get it out there and, and get some sense of what your book might sound like on tape because or, or on the digital in the digital format where people people can hear it uh, so that's the main thing i would say um where am i on the internet oh i don't know <laughs> there's uh i guess the main place right now where i hang out would be facebook so um my nonfiction is under katie darden book on facebook okay. and that would probably be the best place to find me mm-hmm. okay great and sean well i guess uh, <laughs> As writers, we we all have those little seminal moments. You know, the first time we hold one of our paperback books in our hand. Mm. Uh, one for me was the very first time I was able to walk into the King County Library and pull my own book off the shelf and realize that it was sitting there with all those other books. That was a <laughs> that was a, a special moment. But also the moment that I was able to drive down the road and listen to my book in my car uh, was uh, it it made me feel. Uh, more plugged into the whole writer universe to be able to know that everybody could could have that experience with me. So like Katie said, uh, there, there's nothing holding you back from just starting the process and seeing if you're interested to up, upload your your uh, first chapter and uh, and say that you'll accept auditions and and uh, you can make all those other decisions kind of as you go there. So uh, and if anybody's looking for me, I also ha- hang out pretty regularly on Facebook. It's Sean Inman Writer. So just facebook.com forward slash Sean Inman Writer and then seaninman.com is where my blog is with my mental meanderings as as they occur to me. Uh, and uh, and I like to hang out at Book Goodies too. 
Awesome. <laughs> and uh, you will, anybody who's listening to this who found us on iTunes or on another streaming site, please come back to bookgoodies.com and click on the podcast category and you'll be able to find this podcast along with many others. And you can find our show notes, which will have all the bullet points that we hit upon and uh, we'll have links to to Sean and Katie's books and websites and Facebook and all that good stuff. So um, I want to thank everybody for listening. And uh, if you can come back to bookoodies.com and leave us some comments, we would love that. And we're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash bookoodies. Pretty easy. So um, thanks, everybody, for listening. And have a great day.